So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise rescues a humanoid with amnesia and incredible healing abilities. That's it? What do you think you're going to get? I guess it'll be a woman. Hopefully it's not the empath all over again. Ugh. Let's say it's a forgetful Jesus type character. Mm, okay. Bev will try to get their memory back online so they can work out who they are. Mm-hmm. They'll heal everyone in sick bay after an explosion or something. Sounds good to me. Okay. <laughs> Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, stardate 43957.2. We are charting an unexplored star system within the Zeta Gallus cluster. This routine assignment has made for a refreshingly quiet time aboard the Enterprise. Welcome to Rachel watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I am Chris Lackey. And we are on RachelWatchesStarTrek.com. And this is the free show of the month, so welcome people that don't normally listen to our show. But if you want more of this great content, head on over to Patreon. Yeah, and then you'll get four episodes a month. This episode is called Transfigurations. Mm -hmm. It is the penultimate episode of season three. (gasps) The season finale will be on the 10th of March for patrons. On the 17th, you'll get bonus content. I think maybe Dirty Pear is what we're talking about, the anime. Inspired a lot of the writers of this season of Star Trek. Yeah, and you also wanted us to watch a Leonard Nimoy that he's not playing Spock. Yes. That's another possibility. Mm -hmm. All the people want us to do the Orville. Oh, yeah, that's another one that's popped up quite a bit of times. The Enterprise is exploring an uncharted star system within the Zeta Gellis star cluster when the ship discovers a faint life sign and debris from a small ship crashed on one of the planets. Oh, poor little ship. Mm. LaForge is having drinks in 10 forward with Worf. LaForge is bashfully interested in Christy Henshaw, a failed hollow picnic before. Remember her? Oh, give it up, Jordy. She's just not interested in you in that way. (laughs) She's sitting at a table nearby with a friend. Worf encourages him to go over, but she actually comes over to him and starts talking with Jordy. We get this. So how have you been? Good. Uh... How are things down in engineering? Fine. They... They, they've been fine. Well, I'll see you around. I have much to teach you about women. Mr. LaForge, report to transporter room three. Ah, oh, so <laughs> awkward. Poor little LaForge just falls apart. Yeah. Under the pressure. And she's so cute. She's, yeah, she's very cute. But why is she blowing so hot and cold? She made it clear she wasn't interested in him at the picnic. Yeah. Well, maybe she's just kind of attracted to him and... Yeah, it's because he... there's not that many options on the ship. Oh, Maybe it's just because he wasn't being himself. He was trying too hard at the picnic. Yes. Well, we've got the makings of a fun B-plot here. And it turns out they managed to connect the A and B-plots together in this episode. They do? If you squint. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. An away team beams to where a one-man vessel has crashed on the planet. He. He? It is a he. I'm sorry. Oh. He's so badly injured that his brain and teeth are sticking out of his head and he's missing an arm. Yeah. It's pretty gross, the teeth thing. Yeah. He's also stuck under his ship. Bev scans him and says that his brainstem has been damaged and involuntary nervous system functions are not stable enough for transport. So she asks for a volunteer and LaForge says, yeah, sure, I'll do it. (laughs) Without knowing what he's volunteering for. (laughs) 
She uses two metal devices stuck to their heads to establish a neural link to allow LaForge's brain to regulate both of their nervous systems and stabilise the alien until they can beam up to the Enterprise. Hmm. Wow. Bit like parenting a baby or a distressed toddler where you have to regulate them with your breathing and your muscle tone and oh, tone of voice and yeah. your attunement. Yeah. But wow, what a brave guy he is. Well, and it's like they've never seen this alien before and they don't yeah, know anything, anything about it. And it's like, yeah, let's fly just, type situation could happen. Let's just attach brains. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? A flash of light goes into LaForge and he says, oh. And Bev says, hey, breathe normally. It's okay. I'll terminate the link if anything goes wrong. What could go wrong? <laughs> I'd be thinking. So all three of them are being directly to sickbay. Bev is on it and she's going to be trying to get up on it if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. This whole episode. In sickbay, it's techno babble time, but she sells it so well. Mm. Bev works with all her tech and know-how to stabilize the mystery man, but it seems unlikely he can survive these wounds. Mm. On the bridge, Riker, Data and Worf work out the vessel was an escape pod and that the ship it came from has been destroyed by phaser fire. Yeah. Well, you know, they're so good at picking up all the details of these things. I love it. Riker shows Picard a small module, which is all that's left of the pod's computer system. It's a blue glass thing about the size of a loaf of bread. Smaller. Smaller than a loaf Smaller, of bread. Yeah, size of a... Veggie roast? Yeah, a bit bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere between the Somewhere two. Between. And Data takes it for analysis. Picard visits sickbay and Crusher reports that the person will make a full recovery due in no small part to his own body's regenerative abilities. Mm. So he's getting better and she's not doing stuff to his body. She's like, I don't know what's going on. Well. She is also troubled to see via magnification on the screen that his undamaged cells are mutating. Mm. A process that does not seem to be connected with his injuries. It's a good job he's the only patient here because he's getting a lot of detailed care. <laughs> he is. And there is no one else in the medical team. As we know, LaForge, Data and Worf are back in 10 forward and Worf is growling about them talking shop because they're trying to understand the blue computer module. Yeah. And Worf wants to get pissed and, you know, have a good time. Yeah, must party. Yeah. LaForge says he's never felt better. And what do you know? He's off to flirt with Christy. Okay, let's see. the. That was the before clip we heard. Now let's hear the after. <laughs> Christy, you're not leaving, are you? I was just on my way down to the Arboretum. Mm. Would you care for some company? I'd love some, but I didn't think you were interested in that kind of thing. Mm, there are a lot of things that you don't know about me. I've been tutoring him. He learns very quickly. Oh, <laughs> very convincing after. <laughs> Warp takes credit for uh, it. <laughs> yeah. But in fact, it was the weird experimental mind I, yeah. combo. So back in sickbay, Bev reports that John Doe, as she calls him, because they don't know his name, and that was the common fake name they would use for people who, they Jane Doe and John Doe, if oh, they didn't know people's names. Usually they were dead people that they oh. had not identified. Joe Bloggs in England. They oh, would is use. it? John Doe, I think, was the name of a 1970s porn star as well. Oh, hot. But it was spelled, I think, Doe as in, like, bread dough. Oh, doesn't sound very sexy. Bev reports that John Doe has been removed from biosupport. In just 36 hours, most of his major organ systems have regenerated themselves to the point where they can now function on their own, says Bev. Mm -hmm. He awakens and touches her hand, saying, I'm alive. Thank you for my life. Oh, that's what Lal said. All right, yeah. Mm. And then he goes, who am I? 
Who am I? Ay, ay, ay. Who am I? He's very calm about this, too. He doesn't do that gun in no, the Christmas dinner. <laughs> no, no, I, that's from a Jackie Chan movie called oh. Who Am I? There's a point where there's a camera drone or whatever flying around him as he's screaming, Who am I? Oh. John Doe is played by Mark Lamoura. He portrayed Mark Dalton in On All My Children for 11 years. Wow. And he was nominated for the Daytime Emmy Award. He also appeared on the soap operas As the World Turns and One Life to Live and guest starred on series including 30 Rock and The Sopranos. Hmm. He played Oscar Madison in the 2013 revival production of The Odd Couple. He sadly died in 2017 of lung cancer. Oh, no. Hmm. He could have been that old either. No. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. We see John stand for the first time, but he has to be caught by Bev. So that's something, isn't it? That is something. And then he tries to stand again and then Picard catches him. Yeah. Swooning man caught by woman. And Captain. And Captain. <laughs> and then Riker comes in, and then and he then... catches them, and then just the whole cast comes <laughs> yeah. in. Later, John Doe has been aboard for a month. Ooh. And his Again, reco- still the only patient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his recovery is speedy and successful, but Bev is still puzzled by his continuing mutation. His chest begins to glow suddenly and cause him to freeze in pain, but he still can't remember his past. He doesn't yeah. know who he is. Oh, my gosh. He can remember how to speak. Yeah. Um, but he can't remember anything about himself, not even his name. Is that what happens? I think there's all different types of amnesia. Yeah. You and could lose some of your years, but not all of them. Yeah. But you'd still know your name if you had any of your language, wouldn't you? No. No. Different no. part of the brain. Yeah. It, it does have... I mean, it's rare. Obviously, it's a type of brain damage, and it has yeah. to be a very specific part of your brain that gets damaged. Identity being in a different part of the brain. Yeah. Because you'd think if you could remember the word for dog fish loaf of bread you'd also remember the name for you they're all just labels aren't they yeah but it's mm. a very specific label not a general label yeah i don't know it's i'm not just man i gotta be honest with you i'm not a neuroscientist oh well what a I, waste you know, of time i've been lying to you all these years oh you didn't leave the house much and, and you told me you could do it all online <laughs> <laughs> Riker is waiting for the turbo lift and it opens on Smooch City yeah. with LaForge and Henshaw. Neither are embarrassed as she exits no. and Riker gets in. And that's, you know, just a testament to their sex positivity on the ship, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. Riker's like, hey man, you got lucky all of a sudden. And Geordi eventually admits that over the last month, things seem to be going his way and he's a lot more confident than he used to be. Mm. But Why? Presumably it's the head saying. Yeah. They never really do say that it was that or really yeah. say why <laughs> that would have been the case at or all. Or any resolution to that whole storyline <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> O'Brien comes into sick bay wearing a wetsuit with, <laughs> with a dislocated shoulder after a kayak after a kayaking accident on the holodeck. Oh, that's fun. Now we know he used to play with model ships and he likes kayaking. They're really starting to flesh this character out yeah. now. He's got levels. <laughs> Beth prepares her medical equipment, but John gets to him first, and he puts his hands on O'Brien, and guess what? O'Brien is completely healed. Ooh. And John's even surprised by this. He's like, I, don't, I didn't know I could do that. I just yeah. instinctually felt like I should help him, and I did. He's doing Bev out of a job. Yeah, that, there you go. Wesley is there, and he also likes John. John's very mm-hmm. charismatic. And... Yeah, in a nice, friendly, calm way. Yeah. He is very likable, which makes a change from the season three creeps we've had. Yeah, we've had a lot of creeps before and this is actually an attractive guy who yeah. is attractive yeah. yeah maybe they don't usually have people creepy with beth they just have the creeps with troy <laughs> can't remember now <laughs> it could be oh no she had the terrorist guy didn't she 
Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was a creep. Over dinner with Wesley, Bev spills the tea. Mm. He's older now and she seems to allow him to be a bit more like a friend and to pry into her feelings for John. Mm. Bev admits to finding his strength and serenity attractive as well as his vulnerability. Mm. But do you want to bone him, asks Wes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's more spiritual than romantic, she claims. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, LaForge is having a brainwave. He works out that the blue pod could be a biochemical storage medium which employs memory RNA like an organic cell. How Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, that's interesting. So he and Data scan it for molecular sequences on nucleic acid chains and it comes up with a navigational chart. So it's almost like a little chemical brain in there. It's like a brain. Wow. And we get this. Computer, assume those paths are course corrections and derive gravitational values for stellar objects near those flight paths. Most of these are ordinary G-type stars. This would appear to be a neutron star, possibly a pulsar. Which means that this might be a rotational time reference. Computer, assume these symbols are pulsars. Translate associated values into standard temporal notations. Computer, is there a pulsar? with a rotational period of 1.5244 seconds within sensor range. Affirmative. Bingo. Now, computer, overlay navigational chart using referenced pulsars and project a flight path back to its origin. Flight path originated at bearing 003 mark 015. Explain, please. Well, I think that from the navigational, they found the frequency of the pulsar because a, pulse, a neutron star, a pulsar, rotates. Yeah. At, at How cer- did they find that, though? The course corrections are made around gravitational bodies. Mm. And pulsars are very dense, so they would have a strong gravitational pull. Yeah. So these navigational records say that it is what they think is a pulsar. And then they're able to get the time reference of the pulsing of the pulsar, the, you know, the, the spinning of it. Mm. And then they go, OK, we now we know exactly what the time is. Let's. Look at pulsars in the area and see if there are any that have the matching frequency. Oh, right. Now overlay this with that and then they got now it. Now we found out where he where he comes from. I love that LaForge has his little bingo that he says as though he's some old woman in <laughs> the northern England sitting there in the bingo hall. John gets wind of the fact that they're planning to drop him off at his home planet and then he gets scared. And he mm. says he feels danger and he doesn't want to go back to his planet. He doesn't know why. Yeah. He just it's It's bad. They have three weeks until they're going to go this way, but Yikes. it's sort of on the way they were going anyway, so it's not a big deal. So far. And John is left alone by himself kind of thinking about why am I feeling afraid when his chest glows brightly. Mm. Now, Bev takes John for a drink in 10 forward, strictly for medical purposes, of course. <laughs> yeah, as it's his first trip out of sick bay, she takes him on a date. How can it be his first trip out of sick <laughs> bay? He's month. been there for like months and he's walking around and stuff. He's <laughs> yeah. fine. She's very protective of him. He marvels at the diversity of the crew. Many different species all working together freely. Well, a load of humans plus Troy, Worf and Data, actually. Yeah. They don't have the budget to put in too many aliens. <laughs> yeah. They also tolerate French people. <laughs> yeah, it's real diverse. <laughs> John senses somehow that a species is different from this philosophy. And he guesses he's on some kind of journey and that the mutation in his body is connected to this journey that he's on. Well, it's a bit vague, isn't it? Well, sure. He's got three weeks to work it out. <laughs> and then John and Beverly express a fondness for one another. Oh, that's pretty sweet, actually, because yeah. they're both so likable and respectful. Yeah. We find a ship is heading to intercept the Enterprise at high warp. More than warp nine. Yeah. 
10 hours away. Somebody else must be trying to get away from Loxana. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the only time they really haul ass. So mean. And they're refusing to answer hails. So I guess it must be somebody coming for John. Yeah. We find out it's now been two months since they found John. He's been doing more and more glowing and cell mutating, and he's scared that this will cause him to hurt people around him. So he tries to flee the ship with Bev giving chase. Worf approaches him on a balcony above Shuttlepod El Baz. John's chest glows more than ever and the energy throws Worf over the balcony really far down yeah. to a bare floor mm. where he breaks his neck. Dead. He's dead? Worf yeah. is dead. John approaches him and instantly heals him. Back to life. Back to life. Back to life. life. Back, back to, to reality. reality. Back to the here and, and now. now. Yeah. Picard asks that Doe be kept under constant surveillance. You he can't let him kill people and then heal them. It's no. just not on. No. The approaching ship finally answers the hails. The Zolconian Commander Sunad demands the delivery of a dangerous escaped criminal who is disturbing the normal order of society on Zalcon and deserves death. Mm. He gives them two hours to make up their decision before he fires. Why two hours? It seems like a really long time. <laughs> like an hour, it makes sense. Uh, two hours. But two hours? I would say yeah. even 10 minutes make oh, up wow. your mind. But well, you know, what do I know? <laughs> John can't confirm or deny anything that this guy is saying. He can't remember still. Yeah, wow. They've got to work out the truth without him giving his record yeah. of it. But John says, look, if it's going to stop a fight, I'll surrender. I'll, I'll give myself up to them. Oh, but we can tell because we like him. He hasn't done this no. stuff. He does say, however, he, he's got some sort of sense that something important is going on with him and it needs to happen. So he'd prefer not to go over there, <laughs> yes. but he will. So Picard, Riker, and Troy, and Bev, they have a little sit-down talk about Time it. for a meeting. Yeah, and we get this. Whether we approve of the Zalconian's intentions is not the issue, but for what it's worth, I believe that John is correct, that his existence has broader ramifications than that of a simple criminal. Sunad thinks so. He feels personally threatened by John. Sunet called John a disruptive influence. That's hardly a capital offense. It's not up to us to judge their laws, Doctor. I know how I would feel if the situation were reversed, if they were in our territory holding a Federation citizen. The Zalconians truly don't understand our indecision about returning John. In their eyes, we shouldn't even be involved. But we are involved. I saved his life. For what? Bev is protective of his life, both because she cares for him personally and they've got to know each other over the past two months, but also it's a character trait of sure. hers that she'll present this part of the argument. Yeah. Riker asks everyone to consider, though, if the roles were reversed and one of theirs was being held on somebody else's ship. And yeah. they were demanding them back, of course, and being refused. But then they wouldn't be trying to put that person to death, would no they? No way. So exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a dangerous criminal over there. We want him back to kill him. You're like, right. It's not going to happen. Hey, where's your proof? Well, anyway, time's up. Picard says, before we get out of your space and return this criminal to you, we mm. need an explanation of what he's done to merit such a penalty. Yeah. That of death. He can't speak for himself, so he can't defend himself because he has this amnesia. But it does remind me of justice again, <laughs> because crushing flowers equals vandalism equals death penalty in that zone there. Right, yeah. That's the law, whether right. it fits in with Starfleet's version of the law or not. 
Yes. So it's not for them to determine whether what he's done merits the death penalty, is it? Because it's not their laws. But But they're in space. They're not on the planet. They're not interfering with the culture. They don't have to hand somebody over to be killed. Yeah. That will be governed by their own morality. Yeah, and they rescued this guy, so they're already involved. Yeah, it's tricky though, isn't it? Sunad declares that Doe has corrupted the Enterprise crew and motions to his bridge crew, and suddenly everyone in the Enterprise begins to suffocate. Yikes. What's going on here? Yeah, everybody on the ship. How? What powers are they using? What yeah. technology is this? Yeah, some crazy mind control or just physical control of their bodies, causing and, them to not be able to breathe. And we get no explanation. Yeah, or they've taken away the atmosphere in the ship. I don't How know. How do they do that? They don't, don't explain know. it. What have they done? And, you know, I guess that's why they gave them two hours, because they can do whatever they want. They can <laughs> give people the luxury of time to decide and then just kill them all if they want. Yeah. In sick bait, John is the only one not affected. He heals Bev, heals her. Don't don't know how he can heal her from this, but it's obviously a one-off thing rather than an ongoing power that they're doing. Right. And he says he now remembers who he is and why he's here, which is very convenient time to remember. He touches a panel in the hallway, spreading his power throughout the Enterprise and freeing everyone from the Zalconian weapon. We do see briefly, however, that Data is not knocked unconscious. He's, He's bending down looking at, at Picard. Picard yeah. yeah. John and Bev make it to the bridge just before Sunad fires. Mm. But John, he's able to transport him, teleports Whoa. Sunad to yeah. the bridge. Just with a raise of his hand. Just just doing it. Oh, whoa. And he says, do not be afraid. I won't hurt you. It reminded me of Jesus. Space Jesus. Did it you? Yeah. Yeah. For, you know, from Matthew when he's walking on the water and they're all freaking out and he's yeah. saying, do not be afraid. But it's in the Bible a lot. Yeah. There's angels that say that all the time yeah. when they show up in there because they're pretty horrific angels. Oh, gosh. In the Bible, yeah. Say now, stop freaking out. I'm just coming to tell you that you're going to have baby John the Baptist. (laughs) It's going to be okay. (laughs) And it reminds me of a song that I loved when I was a kid based on Isaiah about this sort of benevolent dad type God. That's the kind of God that I grew up with. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Right. I'm your father. But if you don't do what I want. No, no, we didn't do any of that in my (laughs) Catholic church. (laughs) John Doe is dangerous. But John reveals that the Zalconia species is on the verge of an amazing evolution. Mm-hmm. But Sunad and other leaders have decried the changes are evil and have been murdering those that exhibit them. Mm, that oh. sounds more likely to me. John and three others who have noticed that these changes were happening to them try yeah. to escape. Yeah. And the other ones were killed, but John was the survivor. Mm, they were fired on, I suppose. I didn't mind that he was suddenly conveniently remembering everything because I was invested in the story. Yeah. Doe gasps in sudden pain and undergoes the final metamorphosis, becoming a luminous being of pure energy. And we could kind of get the idea a little in advance that he was going to turn into a light being. Yeah. But this is one of, if not the first time we've seen that process as the center of the story. Yeah. Mark Lamura wore a fluorescent orange suit that glowed on the special film used. You can tell that he's wearing a spandex suit, yeah. like the green screen one you've got. Yeah. But I didn't know that they did that as an in-camera effect. I didn't realize that after. after. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And we end with this. There is nothing to fear. You can join me. All Zalconians can. Let me show you. Don't touch me. As you wish. But others will listen now that you can no longer prevent me from telling them the truth. Those who are willing will follow me. Sunad is back aboard the Zalconian vessel, Captain. My people are about to embark on a new realm, a new plane of existence, 
thanks to you, it is our mission to seek out life in all forms. We are privileged to have been present at the emergence of a new species. Beverly, you gave me life and more. I do not have the words for my gratitude or my sorrow at leaving you. And she did say it was more of a spiritual connection, so yeah. that's more evidence for the Space Jesus stuff. Then he turns into a light being and shoots away, and that's, that's yeah. the end of the episode. Yeah, wow. Where's he going? What's he going to do? Is anyone else still alive who's one of his types? Well, I think he's going to go back to the planet. Go and be Jesus there. And be Jesus there and help those yeah. that want to evolve and stop the baddies from killing people that want to evolve. Rad. I think. Yeah, great. Hopefully he can stay Jesus-y and not get anybody else involved trying to corrupt it and exploit it all. Yeah. Concept. Self-healing while his cells mutated separate to that. Mm -hmm. And he was essentially becoming a light being the whole time over those two months. Crazy. Wild concept. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Healing others. If we had taken away the healing others, would it have lost anything? don't know if he needed to have that power, really. No. I think they were just trying to show that he's nice. It, it complicates things because he did kill Worf, but then he healed Worf. So it's like, oh, well, how do yeah. we deal with that? Because he's, he's a nice guy. He didn't mean to do that. And because they're a post-religious society, they don't make any kind of a following of him or a cult belief of him or his miracles. They just see it as something an alien, this alien can do. Oh, yeah. We've seen it all. We've got <laughs> Qs and we've got Trelanes and we've got, you know, Baylocks and all that stuff. <laughs> Not the Baylocks. <laughs> Will a light being ever... Consider being a member of Starfleet. I don't think they have light beings in Starfleet. That would be rad if they did. They tend to show that light beings are more advanced and don't sort of deal on our plane of existence. Yeah, like they're kind of elevated mentally. They're not bothered by planets or society or cultures Mm. unless they want to experiment on them. Then that seems like that's when they're interested. Uh, They're not really using their power for good there, are they? But then, why should they? Yeah. Not their mess, is it? Yeah, or is it? There's a basic superintelligence, which is like our intelligence. They think just like us, but they can do it quicker. And then there are advanced superintelligences that think differently than us. Yeah. This, I think, might be one of those. Whatever they're doing, we wouldn't understand it. It wouldn't make sense to us. Yeah. Wouldn't be a very satisfying work environment for them. If no. all it was was just them sitting in a room. Someone comes in, they heal them, no communication because they can't communicate with them. <laughs> they go out, someone else comes in, heal them, they go out. Yeah. That's yeah. It. It's a bit lonely, that's not it? Mm. We had the Enterprise tech to heal him as well. That was involved. It wasn't just him regenerating. No, they helped not. him grow his arm back and yeah. his face yeah. with the equipment they had. And we saw some of that in action, you know, entertainment wise yeah. mm-hmm. with effects. Amnesia. And worst case scenario, being accused of a crime with the penalty of death mm. and not knowing what you actually did. Yeah. And having slowly a sense that to go home would be dangerous mm. or that you've got a higher purpose and it's not a malevolent one. Yeah, it's kind that's of all. Oh, sort of like a, a type of anxiety almost where you feel Ooh. scared, but you don't yeah. know why. How frightening to be accused of something and not be able to retrieve the memory to mm. counter that. Yeah. We had becoming a light being. Which is pre- pretty huge, you know, evolving not just as a species, but as an individual becoming a higher life form. Mm. Writer Rene Echevarria was called on after writing The Offspring to bring life to the premise involving a crashed ship and bringing the man back to life. To be fair, that was something humanoid becoming a light being as well, wasn't it? It was. He came up with the idea that someone was evolving out of their human form into an energy being. We've seen both sides of these stories before, but we've never seen the intermediate step. 
Apart from your previous story, Rene. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was a light being that became human to try and understand. Oh, yeah, true. That's to true. To under, understand humanity. Yeah. Yeah. In seven days. In seven days. Yeah, whatever or, it was. However long it was. We had to work out whether he was a prisoner and dangerous, mm-hmm. or was he just too powerful for those in power, a la Jesus, yeah. and feared because he wasn't understood, and they wanted to kill him as a result. We had a brain meld with LaForge, which allowed safe transport and made LaForge more confident and happy, or did it? Yeah, they totally don't address that at the end of the episode. Does he stay confident and happy? I was really hoping so, but I, I doubting think so. it. Does he? I think. Oh, I don't okay. know. He's we'll have to pay attention to that and see if he actually does maintain his confidence and isn't all wishy-washy. So that would be cool that he actually has a solid character change. I hope it lasts, and I have no idea why it happened. Yeah. And we had whose responsibility is it to harbor or save or hand over this prisoner? Mm-hmm. How do you make that decision? Yeah. Well, they did. Yeah. And thankfully, he remembered his side of the story in mm-hmm. time. And they showed themselves to be the villains that they were. We had the whole crew choked from afar and the whole ship healed by touching a wall mm-hmm. and soon had transported by thought. The blue pod was a map stored as molecular sequences on nucleic acid chains. Yeah. Loads of sci fi concepts, yeah. maybe too many. Yeah. Maybe none of them really examined in any depth. Yeah. The idea of this transitioning into an energy being thing is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Could have been handled maybe a little bit differently, but, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it an eight. Oh. And I think if some of those concepts had been explored in more depth, it, you know, it could have been even higher than yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Entertainment. I liked him a lot. And Gatesy was on great form. Mm-hmm. Very charmed and charming in yeah. that role with him. I loved seeing LaForge get confident and happy. And I was scared that he'd lose that again. So I was obviously invested in it. Yeah, and he got some action. Yay! Lovely to see Picard moved by witnessing a new being. He was in tears almost mm. to see him become a light being and that, that process take place before his very eyes. Yeah. It was a chance for Worf to be funny about them talking shop at the bar and with his dating advice uh-huh. and claiming to have coached Geordie to success. Yeah, that was, funny, <laughs> that was yeah. really nice. I felt really engaged and I forgot that it was mostly a bottle episode. Oh, right. Yeah, it was. So I'll give it an eight. It's really entertaining. It was a good episode and everybody's likable and interesting and it moves at a really good clip. I'll say an eight. Yeah. Sexiness. It managed to be totally non-creepy, which is quite rare for a random male character coming on board Uh and interacting with one of the women. So I enjoyed Bev's bonding, not exactly sexual feelings for him. Mm -hmm. LaForge got confident, but he wasn't showy or arrogant about it. And she was into it. Oh, yeah. And no one was embarrassed to have been kissing in front of Riker. It was no big deal. So for all of that, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, three. And I think Riker probably is into watching people kiss. That's his thing, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Stupid experts. I didn't pick up any, but we do let things slide when we like an episode. <laughs> we do, yeah. If anybody can point out anything, yeah. let us know in the comments. Yeah, maybe we already said them and we've forgotten to collate them, but I'm going to give it a zero. Zero. Your guesses? I thought it'd be a woman. No. No. Thankfully, it was not the empath all over again. Thought it'd be forgetful Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. I said Bev will try and get their memory back online so they can work out who they are. Kind of. It was a joint effort. I said they'd heal everyone in sickbay after an explosion. Yeah, they did heal people, but it wasn't because there'd been some disaster. No. So I got bits anyway. Yeah, good enough. I'd like to say congratulations on your promotion, Grackles. You're now a Lieutenant Commander. Oh my gosh, Grackles. And we're looking forward to seeing you, hopefully, on our next Lieutenant Commander and Commander Hang. Yeah. Woo. Mm -hmm. 
so this is our penultimate episode. Next one is Best of Both Worlds, part one. Yeah. Oh. Put it book together. It's the best of both worlds. Oh my gosh. Get ready for that one. Your socks oh are going to go gosh. shooting off your feet. Ah. Through your shoes. What happens when you mix a Picard with a Borg? Well, what gonna, you get? You're going to get it. Oh no. Is what you're going to get. <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!